What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Write us a review. What that does is it puts us into that elusive algorithm so more people can find the podcast and hopefully the podcast can help more people. My guest today is a badass rock star to say the least. He has had the highest highs and the lowest lows. He's had the cars, the houses, the fame, everything, everything that you can possibly think about rock star, star life, this man has had it. Cool thing about this gentleman is that he is unapologetically himself. He is 100% real, 100% authentic, and 100% truthful. In a day and age where everyone seems to just be putting the best of themselves out there, he's putting all of himself out there. From his drug addiction to seven years sobriety, and then just recently relapsing he talks about it all um, the man has been like i said the highest of the highs and been to the lowest um, depths of despair but he's overcome it all and the coolest thing about this man is that he is so willing to fillet himself open and have you the listeners and everybody else see see what he's truly about and see the good the bad and the ugly and i just had a really really good time talk to him a little bit of a shorter podcast but we've been going back and back and forth back and forth and i just didn't want to uh delay it anymore just because i was so excited to talk to him and so excited to hear his story and ask him some of the questions and kind of talk to him a little bit so please welcome my guest today colin scummy morrison people see me do good start getting all these more opportunities opportunities and then like i turn my addiction from being a scumbag drug addict into being a positive dude Colin Scummy Morrison, the man, the myth, the legend. Thank you very much for coming on the Overcoming You podcast. Um, I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you uh, carving out the time time for us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries, man. We've been trying to do this for a little bit now, and it seems like something something coming up, man. But yeah, finally got some time to do it. I'm pumped, man. I listened to Ryan Hughes' interview that you did that guy's a legend man yeah. i interviewed him in the past and that guy is somebody i look up to and uh yeah dude you're doing you're doing some cool things man i appreciate that i appreciate that so you no doubt have a massive life of overcoming been through the highs the lows everything in between uh before i get to some of the nitty-gritty questions i wanted to see i was looking at some old videos back in the day how many 50 c bikes do you think you and uh your buddy twitch and everybody else fucked up in your life or messed up doing those jumps back in the day <laughs> uh, man, man I, I i couldn't even tell you it feels like we went through them so so frequently man it's uh, it's funny because back in the day you know me and twitch we we kind of lived together hung out and we got into riding 50s and you know with all the movies we made it really blew up the whole 50 scene and uh Dude, it was just a lot of fun, and it's funny now that everybody moved on to, like, 110s, a little bit bigger bikes. We don't know why we didn't ride a little bit bigger bike back then, but, dude, we had so much fun on those things. Bottom line, it was a great time, dude. Yeah, yeah. So let's just get get right in, into it. I wanted you to see, I wanted to ask you, I know you've kind of told the story before, but uh, to the listeners that maybe don't, aren't too familiar with you and your... Uh, profession want to give a little bit of background about yourself kind of talk about the 
uh, metal militia days and kind of the highs and kind of what, what you were doing and kind of your background. And then I want to go into a couple other questions, but I want to give a little quick background, a synopsis of kind of who you are and kind of speak to the listeners for a minute. Yeah, for sure. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I think at age 14, I always wanted to become a pro straight bike rider. Back in the day, there was no freestyle motocross or anything like that. It was supercross racing. So I had this dream to become a supercross rider. And then you know, I moved up the ranks. And then uh, I think like 1998, a movie called Crusty Demon Dirt came out. And this showed like a whole different side of motocross, tattoos, chicks, partying just going big on dirt bikes and after i saw that movie my whole life changed my like, dude i want to be like those guys i want to do that it's just like live that extreme lifestyle so that's what i did i, I just started going for big jumps and i uh, just kind of didn't really care about racing anymore and back in the day when you were like that people really like looked down at you they there's no such thing as freestyle motocross back then or anything like that it was like a movement and i did it at such a right time because the very first freestyle motocross contest in 1998 came about and already had this name of like being that guy just going for jumps doing tricks so i got in and there's like 15 of us in the early days of freestyle motocross and dude it literally blew up that sport blew up overnight man yeah. every single week it ended up just traveling around the world just uh you know video games movies commercials every single weekend man for the next 15 years pretty much it was full-blown rock and roll lifestyle and uh I, I don't know. I feel like you, I could write a book. I could go on forever and ever, but it was just, it was yeah. the coolest time of my life, man. It was fun. Got to ride my dirt bike, get paid for it, and, uh, you know, see the world, man. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine how how fucking amazing that is just to tour around the world, have everything paid for you, travel, hotel, you know, food, booze, I don't think <laughs> I don't think a lot of... I don't think a lot of people understand because that's, I've, I'm in the metal militia. I was one of the original guys in the metal militia. And this was like almost kind of like the hell's angels of freestyle motocross, you know? Yeah. We weren't, I don't think, did the stuff they did, but like we were Molly crew of motocross, man. We did stuff that like I don't even talk about because I don't think people would even believe the things we got away, things we got away from, you know, or yeah. got away with. Uh, it was crazy. And then, you know, fast forward, everybody lived that lifestyle, just, you know, going big on the bikes. And after riding, it was like how big you can go in the club or just partying. You know, it's like you go so big on the dirt bike and then you move over to partying after the after parties. It's like you're not going to go sip a martini in the corner. You know, we yeah. went so big with whatever we did, drugs, alcohol, and uh, that went on for a long time. And just to kind of fast forward my story, a lot of the metal militia guys and freestyle motocross riders in general, they started to get their shit together because they realized there's a lot of money in the sport when the backflip came about and like people started making serious money. A lot of guys pulled it. They got out of the party and they really stepped it up in their riding. But for me, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was already addicted to that lifestyle of yeah. partying, yeah. doing drugs, being the blackout drinker, you know, I just never changed. And then when the sport kind of evolved into like a serious sport, it wasn't about partying anymore. It was about what you can do on your bike. And I didn't make that switch. So pretty much for the next like eight years, 10 years, maybe it was a while. I just did what I had to do to like make it to all the freestyle shows just to like 
just do bare minimum, get by, get paid, you know, very little, yeah. whatever. But I had to keep up my my drug habit because if not, I'd be so dope sick, I couldn't even function in life. And I, I you know, it's weird, like that whole time, I never even really experienced being dope sick or anything because yeah. I was always on something. Right, right. People, I, never, I never even had to buy <laughs> drugs. It was like people would pay to party with you. People, it, like everything came to me. Yep. So it was really... It's a different lifestyle when you're in that limelight, I guess. For sure. Um, it, it's just so easy, you know? And, like, after 15 years of that being accepted, uh, I didn't really think there was anything wrong because I was still, still getting by. Yeah. I was still making good money and all this, so I didn't see it becoming a problem until, you know, the pain pills turned into Oxycontin when the Oxycontin game got really big and... 2008 and then you know i started to hang out with the wrong people they told me hey if you go to this doctor he'll write you 125 norcos 80 somas and 90 xanax every two weeks and at that time i thought that was a the best thing ever i'm like wow yeah. dude this is sweet you know like and there's so many doctors prescribing pills and that's why i'm such an advocate of like sobriety because i know how it is in that world dude you can get pills you can get drugs wherever you know and so, dude, it went on for a while, then, you know, uh, the government really cracked down on the Oxycontin game because, yeah. I mean, the whole nation got addicted to that shit, and that's when everybody turned to heroin. Yep. That's what happened to me. And then it seems like right around that time, motocross, I didn't care at all. You know, it wasn't about riding, and it's sad thinking that was my dream since I was a 12-year-old boy. And I, I grew up in a perfect neighborhood, had perfect parents. This wasn't me, like just saying the word heroin. That yeah. wasn't part of my vocabulary, but dude, it's crazy looking back how one thing leads to another. You start very small and yeah. how it progresses and that's how it got for me. And then, you know, at that time it was like every day, what am I going to do? What am I going to sell to get a gram of heroin to get me through the day? Yeah. Not even to feel good, just to make me feel normal to get me through the day. And yeah. Yeah. It was the worst life ever, man. So, I don't know. Yeah, I heard on one yeah. of your other interviews, I think you and I have a similar um, story. Obviously, my prescription drug of choice wasn't, but it wasn't Oxycontins or anything, but it was Adderall. I was chewing Adderall like it was, like they were fucking Skittles. And your yeah. doctor that wrote your prescription actually either ended up passing away or went to jail. The same thing happened with my doctor. He was writing... You know, I guess it came out, he was writing like 70,000 pills a day, just boom, 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 boom. And finally, people started to drop dead from heart attacks, which I almost did. But didn't your doctor um, end up hurt one of your friends or, or end up passing away or killing himself or something like that? Yeah, it was me and my best friend at the time. We went to go to Burbank to go fill up our prescription. And on the way home, <laughs> I was driving, he was in the back, and he'd always had to have a tendency of like passing out. Mm-hmm you know, and snoring really loud just from like taking too many pills. And he did this and he was like snoring really loud. I didn't think nothing of it, you know, because I've seen it so many times, cranked up the music. And by the time I got home, he was stiff as a board blue. He died in my truck. Yeah. And then, uh, like five other kids died. And then, uh, when the DEA went to go come after that doctor, he, uh, he shot himself in the office, in his office. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. There's so many doctors like that. And that's why, so many people 
got addicted to that stuff, dude. Yeah. And it's heroin is one of those things like people that aren't addicts. I think why can't you just stop? It's physically you can't. You can't stop that drug because when you stop, I mean, dope sick off that stuff, I'd rather break both my femurs and have to go through that, you know? Yeah. So it's very easy for somebody. It's just hard for somebody to stop without going to like a rehab. It's, just, it's the worst sickness, the worst body aches. I mean, you can't even function yeah. at all. But then in your head, you're like, dude, if I go get a little sack, I smoke this, snort that, you feel like a million bucks yep. and you, you know, you just feel normal. So that's, the that's how you become a drug addict yeah. straight up. It's, it's, you know, and I never thought I would ever end up this way, yeah. but, um, it happened and yeah, look you know, at, I'm just making the most of it. Yeah. Look at, looking back, I asked this question with love and kindness and only because I felt this way. Um, so I don't assume, but I wanted to ask you during those times when you were really, um, addicted and going through that. Did you ever have thoughts of self hatred during those times? Because I did, and I would uh, use to try to mask that. Did you have those thoughts, or were those conscious at all? Or dude, you know? all the time, yeah, yeah. All, all the time. I mean, the person I became, <clears throat> you know, I was still getting into trouble. I know my parents weren't pumped on me. <clears throat> I know all my freestyle buddies knew I had a problem, but it felt like I just in my head I had to be on something because it really masked all the uh, issues that were going on in my life. It felt like when I was using, all the issues kind of went away. What what I've realized now is I was stacking on more problems, but mm -hmm. when you're under the influence, it just kind of fades everything away. So I think maybe it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Maybe being scared to face reality, um, face who you've become. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that that'll kind of boils down why you keep on doing it but yeah of course i didn't like who i was yeah yeah and then, i didn't think there's a way out at all man. like I, I realized i'm like dude there's no way in the world i could ever live being sober dude there's no way yeah in those times yeah that's just that so, mental that mental um darkness that people go through or have been through or are going through is just it's just one of the things that one of the reasons why I started this podcast, just because I don't want anyone, even the one or two people that I literally hate, which I know is a bad emotion to harness. I don't want them to feel or experience a nanosecond of that self-hatred and self-loathing in that, that darkness that people have during those times. It's just one of the worst, worst things. And one of the biggest reasons for some of the, some of the, or if not all of the suffering in the world is those thoughts that go on in our mind. It's just so fucking crazy. It's just so crazy. And we grasp yeah, these yeah, fucking yeah. things to try to not think about it instead of facing it full force. It's just so fucking crazy. 100%. Um, yep. And then just to, not to glorify the dark times, but so you got addicted to Oxycontin, which is really, really common in athletes, especially being an elite athlete like you are or you were in your sport, and then that turned into heroin. But then even you went a step further, and the only reason why I want to ask you this is just because I think it's a really cool story of how you overcome it. So I want the listeners to understand how far you went down and so they can realize how no matter how down you are, you can come back up to the level that you are now. So you went from oxys to heroin, and then what was your next step? Tell the audience about that. Well, after I couldn't get any more heroin because I had no more money to do it, I couldn't trade everything. I lost everything at this point. I 
fucking down dust off. Computer cleaner. I, I remember seeing that shit on intervention, like tripping on the girl that was on that. Like, how the fuck can you get that low, dude? And I ended up being that way because in my head, I just had to be high. I just couldn't, didn't want to face reality. So, oh no, I think my buddy turned it on. Dust off, dude. How tweaked out that sound. Yeah. Going into Best Buy, going into Target, stealing that stuff. Never stole anything in my life, but remember times passing out in Best Buy, just like huffing that stuff. That's how low it got, pretty much. Like, yeah. that's, I believe that's the lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, like, you can't get much lower than that. And, uh, yeah, dude, it just, it happened, man. Yeah. But the good news or the good part about that, the silver lining is you had some really good friends around you, did an intervention. Sounds like from what I hear, you have an amazing father. So you slowly started to come out of those depths of despair, got into a, a rehab. You said something really interesting in a interview that when you went in, in there, you went wholehearted in there, just like you went with racing, just like you went with partying. You were the first person at the meetings. You were the last one to leave. Like you put in the fucking work. Do you know why you did that versus there had to been many other fucking people in that rehab that were just trying to get through the program to get out as soon as possible, but you made the mental shift. Do you know, do you remember why, or do you remember what you were thinking about or well, the re- why did you do that? The rehab I went to, it wasn't like a $30,000 rehab. It was like a rehab for dudes straight up coming out of jail. Dude. So yeah. it was such a sketchy rehab, but you know, that place saved my life, dude. And like, for the most part, the people that didn't want to be there, they're just dicking around. And for me, I've never been to rehab. And I remember how scary that was when my dad dropped me off, how gnarly of a time that was, where I remember the first night, like, dude, I can't believe it, age 30, I'm in rehab. This is a shit you see in movies. Pretty much had no other option, you know? I I just had no other option. And I just remember, like, four days into detox, I woke up and I realized, fuck, I don't need anything, dude. I, I can't believe this. I'm three days sober with nothing in my system. And I feel good. Yeah. And it was, dude, after that, it was literally like uh, almost like a spiritual moment, uh, an awakening, like I was reborn again. And, dude, after that, man, yeah, everything was new in my life. Everything. I forgot who I was. I forgot I had all these rock star friends. I forgot I lived this crazy lifestyle. I forgot who I was, dude. Yeah. It was like I was reborn and started over. Yeah. Forgot about all that. You know, I remember getting letters from fans, and I was just like, what? Like, why do these people even, like, like me? Like, I don't even know. Anyways, it was weird, but I was reborn again, bro, and (laughs) I just took it for what it was, and I just did it full force, and then, you know, like I said, I can go on forever. I stayed in rehab for 30 days. That's how long my thing was, but then after, I was having such a good time in there, dude, believe it or not, I begged my mom and dad, I'm like, dude, can I please stay in sober living? This is rad. They couldn't believe it. Stayed in sober, sober living for three months, and then, dude, uh, I remember first staying sober living. You know, that was the first day I got to go out on my own. And I remember I got to, you know, leave and come back. But I remember I ran to the beach because it was in Ventura. Mm-hmm. And running to that beach was the most amazing 30 minutes of my life. Because I remember, like, I could really see the ocean for what it was. I could see the sky. I could smell the grass. I could fucking, I had all these emotions. It was yeah. fucking amazing, dude. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, dude, I just, I started getting it all back, man. I met my now wife. Out of sober living, I got a job, which, like, a big thing I always tell people, you can't have an ego, no matter who you are. 
I had yeah. a rad lifestyle. I got a, I got a job printing t-shirts, dude, for like 10 bucks an hour, man. Did that. That turned into people seeing me do good. Started getting all these more opportunities, opportunities. And then, like, I turned my addiction from being a scumbag drug addict into being a positive dude and starting to spread the message of how yeah. rad it is being sober, man. And that's kind of what led me to where I'm at now. Yeah, you said, couple things. you said something really, really fucking cool there during um, rehab that I think is so valuable and is after those three days, it feels like, or from what I'm hearing, it feels like you proved it to yourself that you could do it. And I think that's so not thought of enough or not glorified enough is doing something for yourself and proving it to yourself. And then those little tiny wins, it was only three days. And yes, you had help or maybe you had guidance or you had someone pushing you in the in that direction to you know get clean and sober. But after those three days or after that week, I feel, or it sounds like what's coming through is that you realize that you did this yourself and then that turned into more things and turned into more better things. And then it turned into something you, there was one little thing that you said on an interview that I saw your, your face light up and it made me feel happy just seeing another human being be happy for themselves is that you said it in an interview after you're just like you said, you started to get everything back. You started with this job that maybe was quote unquote beneath you, but you're letting your fucking ego go. Then you started to slowly get these things back. You know, the houses, the cars, the money, um, people start going out there. But in this interview, you said, I forgot, or I realized that I was smart and you had the biggest smile because it wasn't out of, out of narcissism or anything. It was, it felt like the first time that you ever thought that about yourself. And I just think that it's so fucking cool. And I just applaud you big time for finally, um, you know, complimenting yourself because you did all of this work. There's nobody else you had help. I, but you were the one that did it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, dude, I got, I got my whole life back, but you know, I, I don't really think I have to tell this story, but I want to, that I've been sober for seven years, over seven years, but, and I started to get like, I have this podcast talking sobriety out of, sobriety clothing company i work for a recovery magazine i do all this stuff and i started to get a little bit uh i don't know like i thought i was better than this i guess mm -hmm. and i thought i've gotten over like fuck, like 30 people into rehab i've changed a lot of people's lives i started to get you know, i don't know like i thought i was better than this addiction thing mm -hmm. almost and that's where people get into trouble and it, it got me dude i went to the doctor i went to a dentist's office and I got a tooth pulled and he uh, said, hey, you got to get on Norcos. And I could have told him I was a drug addict in recovery, but I didn't. And I got on Norcos, man. And that led me down the same path. And I relapsed. And it got dark for a couple months, man. And, you know, right now I'm like three weeks sober, dude. So, like, I, I did it all over again. Yeah. But this made me a million times stronger, man. You know, and all I want to do from this story is uh, is prove that you can get your life back and you can become even stronger from a relapse. And I'm not scared to talk about it. And it just shows how gnarly addiction is, no matter how much stuff you got back or whatever. Yep. It can still happen, and it's like an everyday battle, and uh, it happened to me. So, you know, a lot of people, when they relapse, they don't come back out of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really want to prove to people that 
you can. It's a slip up and you can become stronger from it. And that's what I plan on doing. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is, man. How do you sugarcoat that? I'm yeah, not going to hide from it. I'm just going to be open about it. Yeah, Colin, I'm telling you, this is one of the things that I love that I love about podcasting. And I love about the podcast that I'm doing. I get to talk to people like you. So from the outside, looking in here you have have this guy extremely talented top of the world traveling movies tv commercials everything top of the top of the hill falls from grace picks himself back up seven years straight killing the game getting everything back making people's lives better putting people in rehab amazing podcast doing all these things but even the strongest person from an outside view still slips up and it's so valuable because for the rest of us that aren't, maybe we don't feel as talented as, as you or aren't as famous as you or maybe don't have the reach that you, there's there's a connection there that, hey, even Colin, even Scummy falls and picks himself back up. So, oh, it's okay if I do. You just got to pick yourself back up. I know you said that in a couple podcasts that you just put out recently. No matter what happens, you got to try to get up and you have to try to pick pick yourself up. So I think it's valuable. And I think this slip up or, or whatever, I think is going to add more value to your story and be more relatable and cast a wider net of people that, that you can help. So I applaud you and I'm happy and I can't wait for the things that you got coming out. And, um, you know, just talk about that a little bit more in depth and give the the people that follow you and follow the Overcoming You podcast a little bit more insights into that so brother i just applaud you and i'm I'm happy that you're on the other side of it and i'm happy that you're looking at this as a as a positive thing or as a stepping stone not as a uh, setback no i i respect that i was really down at first but uh like i've always said i thought i was better than this from like everything i created but it just makes you realize that you're human and it's not how bad you fall it's how uh how you pick yourself back up. And what I've realized is everybody on social media, it's all fake, man. I say this so much and it is, is you look at everybody's Instagram and everybody has a perfect little life. And then I always see people, you know, they strive to be like this person or that person, but they don't know what they're dealing with, dude. Like Sonny Garcia, the pro surfer, he's got a perfect life on Instagram and what you see from him, dude, he, he, he hung himself. Fuck. Six months ago, he, he didn't want to live. Yeah. Dave Mira, you know me, look how strong I looked on my social media, but people didn't know what I was dealing with. You know, like everybody's got issues, yep. but on social media, you're not going to go on there and talk about your problems. I wish people would do that more so people uh, would realize, like, you don't know, life's, life has challenges. Everybody goes through stuff. Everybody's got issues, and uh, it's just how you become stronger from them. And this relapse, I'll tell you, it, it only made me stronger. But I'm nobody special, dude. I'm just I'm just a dude with one half-assed talent. I kind of wrote a dirt bike good. People thought I was cool. That's it, dude. Yep. You know, I got addicted to drugs, and you can get your life back. I've seen so many people. The meetings I go to, I went to one a couple nights ago, dude. There's uh, a chick living in Skid Row, shooting heroin in her neck like crazy. She was homeless for 10 years, and now she's years sober she's got a great job and like she has no family her parents died so even though i have a great support system and i'm blessed for it and it, it was probably easier for me than a lot of people that's no excuse i've seen so many people no parents homeless it can be done 
anybody can get their life back from drugs. Mm-hmm. It's no way to live a life, man. And, uh, dude, life is, life is rad. You can do anything without that shit. And, uh, if you slip up, dude, just get back up, learn from your mistakes and move forward, man. And yeah. I'm going to do that to show it. It can be done. And, uh, yeah, man, that's about it. Dude. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fucking awesome. I have just two more questions for you. I know um, we're running yeah. up on time. So one question is you talk a lot, and I can't agree with you more, is that if you want to get sober, and I think not just if you want to get sober, but if you want to if you want to get physically fit, if you want to deal with your mental health, if you want to start a business, if you want to do anything that takes effort, you have to dissolve that ego. Can you explain or give some ways that you feel is a good way to dissolve that ego? Because I think that ego, especially with men, that bravado, that machismo, that fucking comparison shit really gets in the way of people's um, accomplishments or what they're striving to do. So can you talk a little bit about how you would or how you dissolve your ego? Because if anyone should have an ego, it's somebody that's been in the limelight and somebody who's been on top of the mountain, but you've been able to harness that or deal with that. I don't know. Like my ego obviously got me in trouble this last time because I thought I was better, but I think it's harder for guys because everybody, especially in motocross, everybody, it's like a tough guy sport and you got to act tough. You got to be tough. But dude, I don't know, man, when I have bad days, sometimes I cry. Sometimes I get down, dude. Like, but everybody does that. You know, you can't hide behind who you want to be. I I don't know, dude. It's hard to explain, but bottom line is, I've cried on Instagram from being down this last relapse. I've told all my problems on Instagram. Where I think a lot of people would maybe feel guilty or maybe be scared of the the repercussions from it. Dude, I have never had one bad comment yes. on my social media. I have a lot of people that follow me saying, dude, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you're a pussy and you cried and you're trying to be this metal militia guy. Not one. Yep. I think everybody everybody's the same for the most part. And I just think ego, um, it'll get you into trouble, man. Every time, you know, uh, yep. you know, I don't know. I mean, going back to that first job when I had, you know, I could have been in there and be like, dude, you know what? I'm used to signing autographs and getting paid. I'm used to doing this, but realizing when I put my ego down and I just did what I had to do to make that next step. Cause dude, for a lot of people and, when they go to rehab, you have to start your life all over. And it doesn't matter how good of a job you had back in the day. It doesn't matter how high you made it to the top. You got to start over. And for a lot of people, that's really hard. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing. If you're a recovering drug addict or alcoholic and you're putting in the work, people respect that, dude. Yes. People really look up to you for that, that you're trying to change your life to get people know how gnarly that is and uh People will notice that and you'll, you'll just, I, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. And in, in my meetings, man, every single person that makes sobriety number one, miracles happen, dude. And they say that a lot and meeting 12 steps and everything, mm-hmm. miracles fucking happen. I have not, not yet seen one person say, dude, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I got to do to be sober, but nothing's happening in my life. Yeah. Everything will, good things happen when you get, when you do the right things in life and it's just a snowball effect. And I've seen hard when I was trying to get clean within the grasp that. And then, but when I, when I convince somebody, dude, go to this rehab, do what they tell you, make sobriety number one, dude. And a year after I talked to them, dude, they got jobs, they got, they got a house nice. I, every single time, dude. 
Nice. And I think we really veered off the whole ego thing. I'm sorry, no, dude. I didn't have no, a no, it was perfect. solid answer, but I'm, I'm telling you, dude, like all the people, I've, I've helped a lot of people. And I don't think help. I mean, I just tell them my story. I kind of push them, motivate them a little bit. And once they get into a rehab, makes the right number. Dude, their whole lives change, man, for the best. Every single time. I have not met one person that they got sober and their life went yeah worse or got worse, you know? So, yep. I don't know. I, that answer is kind of all over the place, man. No, but it's from the heart. Getting, it's from the heart. It works. Clean and sober, dude. It's, uh, it's the best thing you'll ever do, man. And uh, it, it'll happen to everybody, too. Yep. You know, a lot of people, they being saying you're a drug addict is, is a very hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me, but now I'm like a proud drug addict and alcoholic in recovery. But for a lot of, dude, that's not in my vocab, dude. Like growing up in the neighborhood, the, the my upbringing, that isn't me, but uh, it, it can happen to anybody. You could yeah. end up breaking a bone, getting on pain pills for a while, or just coming home from work, drinking a six pack every single day for 10 years. And then one day you don't drink that. You realize you got the shakes. You got, it's like you became an alcoholic, but you don't know how it happened. Dude, it happens so quick and it happens to the best of them. So just don't feel bad. It happened to you. If it happens. Yep. Well, I got one more question, but before I get to that, can you tell the listeners what you got going on? I know you got a lot of cool projects, some awesome clothing. What's your social media and what uh what businesses you got going? Because I know you got a lot of stuff. So tell everybody what, what you got going on. Yeah, um out of rehab, my dad had stage four cancer, like right out of rehab, thought he was gonna die. My dad's my best friend. Hardest time in my life, but if I wasn't sober, it fucks. Who knows how gnarly it would have been. Like it it was a tough one, but anyways, he had a business service and fire extinguishers, a really successful company. And I had to literally go get, uh, study, get tested, to, to qualify to take that business over. So I took that over and that saved my life, man. So I, I took over his business. I've had that for five years. I do freestyle motocross classes. I have two clothing companies. I have an underwear company, really successful in Skivvy. I have a supercross team, married to my best friend, my wife, uh, ride dirt bikes. Dude, I'm just, I'm all over yeah. the place. Dude. What, I, what are the I websites? As busy as I can. What are the websites for your clothing companies? Uh, Talking Sobriety. That's uh, my podcast. I got some sobriety clothing, I like a clothing line for people that are newly sober. So I got that. Clothing company, Scumbag, Skivvy. That's an underwear company, skvi.com. Okay. That is what it is. Everybody can see what I'm doing on my social media. It's Colin, C-O-L-I-N, underscore, Scummy, underscore, Morrison. You'll see everything I'm doing on that. Okay. Cool. Then last question, and you said quite a few good tips and tricks there earlier, but so someone's listening to this podcast, and they're either have horrendous self um, negative talks or they're in the thrills of addiction. What is the first thing that you tell them to do? First tactical thing. What would you tell them to do? Dude, it's hard, you know, reach out to me. I could steer you in a direction to rehab. The only thing I can say that I know that helps is rehab, dude. That's what helped me. So it's hard for me to say anything else. Mm-hmm. Rehab saved my life. There's rehabs out there that are super cheap that take insurances. Reach out to me. I could steer you into some good ones. 
if you can't do that, go to an AA meeting, an NA meeting, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. Dude, those people welcome you with open arms. Get a sponsor. You can have somebody just walk you through the steps. Every single person that's been through that program has been there, dude. They have some dark stories. And you go in there and you open up and nobody looks at you like, dude, I can't believe how fucked up this guy is or what he did. Everybody's been there, dude. So it's uh, it's a really good place. 12 steps. Get a sponsor. And they're free. They're everywhere. They got meetings in every city worldwide. Google it. That's a great option. It's free. And then, you know, rehab, man. It's, it's fair. You got to put the work in. And it doesn't yeah. happen overnight. You got to put the work mm-hmm. in. Look what happened to me. I thought I was better. I fucking relapsed after everything I have. I almost lost it all. And, you know, so it can happen to anybody, man. But you yep. got to put the work in. But I can promise you it's a million times better of a life and you'll get everything back no matter how bad you lost it, man. Yep. Yep. Well, cool, man. I know um, I know you got some other appointments coming up. And I once again, I just really appreciate you coming on. You have been through, like I said in the beginning, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. You are a massive overcomer. And I mean this in all sincerity. You know, I know we're on a podcast and everything like that. But just from Colin, from Josh to Colin, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You matter, and your story matters, and you are helping people. So if no one tells you today or no one tells you soon, I'm telling you now. Keep doing what you're doing and keep telling your story because it resonates with people and you are helping. And so I just appreciate you as a human being and thank you very much for coming on the podcast, man. I really, truly. I, uh, I appreciate you too, man. I mean, you got, you overcame some shit. You got a cool podcast helping people, dude. So likewise, uh, yeah, it was an honor, man. So thank you very much. All right, man. I'll see you. I'll see you around. Thank you very much. See ya. See you, Josh.